Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Feral Audio. From New York City, it's the Todd Berry Podcast. The Todd Berry Podcast. All right, everyone. It's the Todd Berry Podcast. This is the second one that I've recorded in a car. I didn't steal this idea from uh, Jerry Seinfeld. We're not drinking coffee. But I am in a car with a comedian. He's driving me to Seattle. We have two and a half hours. Might as well record a podcast. We have some nice sound equipment in here because we're making a documentary. This is the big buildup. This is uh, Dax Jordan is with us, everyone. Hello. That's Dax Jordan. He um, He's opened for me before. He's opened for me tonight. He opened for me in Portland the other night. He was supposed to open for me in Vancouver, but he lost his passport. So he says... So, so he says, he, oh, I lost my, what can I, convenient excuse oh, can I come up with? Oh, I just don't want to do a great show I know. in one of the best cities in the world. It is a cool city. But we should tell people about you. What Because maybe they don't know. Maybe. You. I guarantee you they don't know. I know. I was trying to, I felt, I felt yeah. like, the, as I said, I was like, oh, this is Captain Cross insulting. This, there's no but, way to avoid. There's no way to avoid the elephant in the room. Yeah. No one knows who you are. And there's no elephant in a room. So you live in, I met you because you were recommended to me to open for me where? Or did you open for me? Uh, I worked with you here at Helium in Portland. Helium. Did I pick you? No. Um, I uh, I just tried to find a good spot to get myself booked in there. I thought, so I, uh, I thought someone recommended you and that's how I found out about you. Um, like maybe, there may have been an approval process. Maybe Ron Funches? I don't know. So you opened for me at Helium. Yeah. And we had a good little... There were good shows. Helium and Portland, a comedy club. Then, I feel like... Oh, then I did a tour. Yeah, you came down to the Southwest. Yeah, Southwest. Tucson. Tucson. Phoenix. Phoenix San Diego. San Diego. Was, was that it? it? Yeah, yeah, was it. And you opened for me then. And yeah. drove me. Except, did we fly to San Diego? No, you flew into Arizona. I drove oh, to San Diego. Oh, that's right. You drove. You and really roughed it. Met you. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I uh, like the open road. Yeah. See, do you like driving? I do, yeah. So if if you were going to go do a gig and it was like six hours away... Yeah. Piece of cake. Would you... But let's say they were going to buy you a plane ticket. Would you fly? Oh, I, I would fly then. Okay, so you don't... Yeah. You like the open road, you don't. <laughs> you yeah, don't need I, the open road. I don't. No, I don't need. I, that's, it doesn't call to me. Um, but I'll call it back in the morning. I remember a good story from when you worked for me in uh, Tucson. I'm sure you'll remember this, where I got an email from someone. Oh, who said? Yeah. Uh, I work in a spa. I'd love to give you a massage. And I kind of went back and forth because I, you know, you get a little suspicious when you get that kind of message. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I can put you on the guest list. She's like, oh, we already bought tickets. I was like, oh, 
this is legit then she's not <laughs> looking for tickets yeah and then I was like I can't have you drive I needed a ride there to this fancy spa to get a free massage yeah and I was like is that right to my co-pilot here have a guy uh, drive me to get a massage and when he sits in the, in the waiting room <laughs> while I get a massage and then he just for the opportunity to drive me back I'm from the free massage yeah I'm proud that this was a moral conundrum for you it was I definitely worked with headliners for whom this would not have been an issue and then I um, I kind of acquired I was like well what what would it cost I go I don't want to do, I wrote to her I go I don't want to do this and not you know have my not the guy drive me or I don't want him to just sit there and then she told me how much it cost. I was like, oh, God, I don't know. Suddenly, this is not a free massage. Suddenly, things are... Yeah. And then she wrote back. She goes, I can get a free massage for him as well. Just tip. And I was like, of course we're going to tip. Mm-hmm. Of course we're going to tip. Of course. She, like, he, she got someone else who worked for her. Yeah. Who was less inclined to do it, I guess, somehow. She just said, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. So we went there. We got free massages. We tipped well. We tipped well. Yep. We, uh... A dollar's good for a massage, right? Thank yeah, you. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank and you. then uh, that was it. But that was pretty... I still don't know why she did that. Well... She had no agenda. She bought... Like, I think I ended up giving her a CD of the show. Oh, She's yeah. just a nice person who wanted a yeah. massage. And then, uh, they were going to stick around after the show. Yeah. And they were down in the lobby there. And we're like, hey, we got to go put the posters and CDs back in, a, back in the, our rooms or whatever. Yeah. We went upstairs... And came back like a minute later, and they were gone. Oh. They had, uh, bamboos. I didn't remember that. Yeah. Was just well, that's of... bullshit, man. Yeah. You don't come to my show, pay for tickets, and also give me a free massage. And then, and then don't say a long, stick long around. goodbye. But well, I the did... girl who gave me a massage was cute. We had kind of a good little chemistry. Oh, really? Did she? Oh, she... oh that? She's the one who bolted, right? Yeah. Yeah, it feels like she was... Yeah, well, I'm sure she has that... Go. I'm sure that's like the worst thing about being a massage therapist. It's like, yeah, uh, yes, it's my harassment. job. I'm not in love with you. <laughs> I'm not in love with you because I'm giving you a massage. Yes, I know your wife doesn't touch you like this. I know. Not my problem. I'm a pro. But that was like an Elizabeth Art fancy spa. Like we, we drove and drove. I mean, you drove and drove. <laughs> it's just, it, was, it was very, it was very Tucson. Through some fancy hills. It was very Adobe. Yeah. Um, so you opened for me in those shows. Now you move. You you started doing comedy in Portland, though, right? I started in Portland. Yeah. About how many years did you do it in Portland? Uh, about twelve years. Really? Yeah. Oh, so you've been doing this longer than I thought. Yeah. Also a backhanded compliment. No, I know. As I said that. <laughs> as I said that. No. Again, I thought, I'm not. I'm the last person who would give a backhanded compliment <laughs> because I hate them so much. Yeah. But I mean, I just thought you started. I thought you started more recently, not yeah. based on the way you perform or anything. I just didn't know you've been doing a lot. Because I seem fresh-faced. Yeah, you're fresh-faced. Yeah. You're young. And I also, I'd never asked you before, I guess. Because right. I would have remembered that. So 12 years you did it. Yeah. What? Yeah, started up here. So you did that place, Harvey's? Harvey's. Is that place? My that's done, right? Club. No, it's still oh, there. still there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's done. But it's still there and open. <laughs> that's one of those places I never played, but I always heard. It was like, he gets 300 people in a night, no matter what day of the week. <laughs> No matter who's performing, you're just bussing them in. For yeah, I mean, far reaches. And I was always like, "Well, that's not. It's weird if the place is packed every night. That means they're just. How are they getting all those people oh, in there? He's but got I heard a, the audiences are good. Then he's got a room full of people that telemarket all day, oh, seven days a week. 
he's got yeah computers full of contact names and yeah before I was a working comedian and I was just a customer there I was in the rotation and every two weeks they'd call and say hey you and 14 of your friends have won tickets you can invite up to 14 people call us by the day ahead oh, so you tell us it, how many people are it wasn't coming. even a deal it was like completely oh there's a two drink minimum completely though. free two item minimum yeah. okay yeah. two items so you could get onion rings and a diet coke if you wanted yeah and that would cover you it'd still be a six dollar diet coke six dollar diet wow yeah so they don't even care about the cover charge no um, although they got some, and they the got cover some charge is supposed to go to the performer so that's why they yeah. don't care about right, it right right Friday Saturday they'd get some pains yeah yeah there was a time when I when I started working there, they actually advertised, and their headliner would be in the paper. Like at least there was a part of the living section. This week yeah. at Harvey's, blah blah blah. Like you, there, there was some legitimate recognition that would come out of working there. And it's also good to work. Just uh, and probably is good to play to three hundred people a night. Yeah, I mean it was great experience, but the, the room wasn't all that well policed. Oh really? So uh, if if it got if it got rowdy, it stayed rowdy. Oh, and I just had to good. wait till the next show. That's weird the way a room where everyone got in freeze is it doesn't have the best audience members. Exactly. I don't know how um, supply and demand works. But. So what other clubs were there? Were there other clubs? That was it. Nope. That was uh, that was the one company club. There was club. Yeah, out uh, on the west side of town. Occasionally, a little uh, a little club would open for two, maybe three years. And it's uh, got to be a nightmare booking a comedy club. Even though yeah, there's so many comedians in the org, but it's like yeah. someone cancels on you. Got to figure out, oh, how much do I pay this guy? No one, you know, this dude, and yeah, and then this guy wants too much money. Well, Har- Harvey's had it pretty strict. This is what we pay. If you don't like it, don't work. Yeah, there's not very much. Yeah, that's um, why variation. He, he just kind of has the same touring road crew that comes through. Does and, he have like guys there like three times a year or something? Uh, twice. He, he'll have his most popular headliners there twice, but normally it's once, once a year. Uh, so. The whole time were you doing it? Like, how many times a week would you go up in Portland? Uh, when I was coming up? Yeah. Yeah, we only had a couple open we mics. We were learning early on. what to do. Yeah. You know, we had like three open mics and, uh, and Harvey's. So uh, I wasn't getting a ton of local stage time, but there's a ton of road gigs. We talked about uh, there's this famous oh, yeah, that guy, Tribble, Tribble, yeah. Tribble Run. Yeah. Wasn't there a documentary called The Tribble Run? Yeah, yeah. Ron Reed made one uh, years ago. If I could see that, he's like Ron Trimble's a guy I never worked for, but he's one of these guys legendary. Like you do gigs in what, like Montana? Yeah, you did six to eight hour drives every day between gigs. What were the gigs like? Montana, Idaho, all over. Um, The gigs are sometimes rowdy. uh, Sometimes it's like the the bar of a Red Lion. Uh huh. So uh, those would be a little less rowdy, but they're also just hotel guests killing time or something um, and then sometimes it's the only thing going on in a town like Ellensburg Washington right and you're at a little bar that turns into a dance club with you when you're done so that's your best opportunity to uh, stick around and meet meet ladies afterwards did they have um, did you get your hotel rooms yeah yeah so there, there was always a hotel room involved. and did you have like days off um, or was it like if you were signed up for like a two week run you would definitely have yeah kind of know, amazing Monday, that Tuesday. he was able to string together like everyone in all these states that were thousands yeah. of miles away would go hey let's go to this guy and he'll hook us up with comedians you know there was a time when he when he did have decent Wednesday through Sunday kind of runs but uh, I'm sure when I'm the sure the list tanked. of comedians who have done a triple run is 
pretty impressive. It yeah. must be pretty impressive. Yeah. The, Out in Kalispell, I believe it is, Montana. I think that's where I saw Mitch Hedberg's picture up on the wall. It also yeah. sounds fun in a way, like in a romantic kind of... not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in a romantic there, way. There's definitely a road comedy appeal to it that if you haven't done it, you're missing out. Yeah, especially if you're like, oh, my God, I'm working. Yeah. You get to go drive to these places. Yeah, there's these kids in L.A. who only ever get maximum of six minutes yeah. at hipper-than-thou yeah. locations dream about losing money on a triple run. <laughs> Why would you lose money? Well, I mean, if you're if you're the middle act, yeah. Oh, really? If you're you kid- would lose money? Uh, well, it depends. It depends. Um, it got worse when the economy tanked and they became maximum like three days of work. Uh, the window's over here. For oh, okay, is it closing it? I'm trying to close this window. Oh, there Make sure it's, it's, okay, it's good. Sorry, I have a loud car. That's all right. Uh, 280,000 miles on this Are you serious? Saturn. Yeah. Wow. I bought it. It had half that, 140,000 miles on it. You bought a car it. with 100, that already had 140? From, I always thought like a 100,000 range was when you get rid of your car, but I guess not. <laughs> no, not a, That's amazing. not a road car like this. 280,000. Yeah. But uh, my friend Augie Smith, other important comics, yeah, he bought this car off the lot, new, in Appleton, Wisconsin, and then I bought it from him. And by bought it, I mean I became his maid and cleaned his house for a year. Really? Uh, me and my, uh, my ex... Because uh, he was paying 50 bucks a month to a maid. And we're like, well, I want, we want to buy this car off you, uh, so why don't we just work it off? So I worked off owning this car, and uh, it was good. It's been a good ride. It's just getting a little road noisy with age. Right. So you live like in L.A. now? Dick. Uh, yes. When did you move there? Um, December of the uh, year before last, so it's been almost two years. Are you, is that going well? Do you like... I love L.A. Are you I was actually, stage line? I was actually born there. You were. And we moved to Portland when I was 11, okay. 11 or 12. So I was looking forward to getting back. I still have family there. And uh, I never got used to the clouds and the rain and the, the depressing bullshit up here. Just never got used to it. It is pretty nice in LA. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to make fun of it and say it sucks. And there's parts of it that suck, but this is a rocky road we're on now. Yeah, sorry about the... Uh, what kind of rock? Fast lane kind of, pavement. Is that separate up. lane? Like, smooth. is that to slow people down or something? I think uh, they just haven't got to that yet. Oh, okay. Because now we're on smooth. We just move one lane over, and it's all smooth as silk. That's a, that's Washington's class warfare. They're like, all right, if you have a car fast enough to be in the passing lane, you're just not going to have that comfortable ride. <laughs> um, we'll take care of the. How often do you do you get on stage in uh, Los Angeles? Um, you know, I have pretty good luck at, with the the mics and a few of the showcases. I'm starting to get. Rotations of and hosting at the improv occasionally. Oh, really? Yeah. You should be. Uh, have you tried to get on Conan or anything? Um, I'm uh, actually supposed to be recording a new set to be pushing to Ferguson when we get back. Uh, but I know JP Buck. Known him for a Has while. He, oh, you do? I haven't showed him a tape though in a couple of years. Which is my own. Show him a nice little six minute clip. Yeah, I'm gonna. Maybe some of the recordings from. No, I'm not, you're not going to get the recordings. Uh, I'm going to sell those to you. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll buy them. If I were a, sh- a shit comedy club book, I could, there used to be ones where they would like charge you for a videotape. Oh, yeah. I had a guy. And they'd have like a setup. It's like, you're, yeah. so you're sticking a videotape in there? Yeah. And you're going to charge me? I had a guy try to charge $500 for like, the digital camera. Digital. And this was that just cost like, me $400. This was just like four years ago when it, it was 
no big deal. Five hundred dollars? Yeah, so I'm gonna give you a high definition DVD. For high definition? Nobody ever. Oh my god, high definition. But this guy was a. You mean like my artist. iPad? <laughs> you mean like, like my this phone? This phone I got at Goodwill. Oh man. Yeah, this was one of those Booker comics who was a ripoff artist who tricked a few casinos into. It's weird the way those Booker shows. comics uh, are sometimes the worst. Yeah. I think they would be like. He left the contract open. Well, what, the sound guy left the contract open on the soundboard once I was walking by, and uh, he was charging fifteen hundred bucks to the casino for the show, right? And keeping a thousand of it. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's not supposed to work that way. Mm -hmm. It's like you keep, uh, you can have three hundred dollars. Yeah, but those that, those casino bookers even get wise after a little while. Yeah, start looking around. Um, so how many times a week you go out in L.A.? Um. I was uh, at the peak when I was focusing on it, right before the divorce kind of hit. Oh. Things went sideways. We'll get into uh, that if you want to. <laughs> I, was, I was getting up like three, three or four nights a week. Do you want to talk about your divorce? You don't have to. It's a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind getting into it a little bit. All right, yeah, better, of course. Better place. You'll talk, uh, you'll say what you want to say and won't say what you won't want to say. Yeah. I don't like to get into people's personal lives, but you brought it up. That's totally yeah. a John Mayer song I think you just quoted. I don't want to get into people's personal Say what you want to say. No, I think it's say, John don't Legend. say what you want to say. Something to say. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so you were married. Yeah. And the divorce affected your comedy career. Yeah, well, I mean, it just kind of threw everything off. She was the breadwinner, and uh, one day she was like, oh, I found someone else. Oh, really? Yep. And instantly. Um, that's that's heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, we were in an expensive-ish, you know, everything expensive in Hollywood. Apartment that neither of us could afford, just on our own. Did she, like, sit you down and tell you that? She was in New Orleans, and met the guy, so uh, a lot of the breakup occurred via text message, wow. as, as might happen with a 20-something wife. Oh, she was 20-something? Yeah. Um, Alright, I, I don't even want, I don't want to go down. <laughs> I feel bad. You want me to cut this stuff out? I'll cut it no, out. No, you don't yeah. have to cut it out. Yeah. Alright, I, mean, I don't want to go. go. I don't want to do this. Too I, far I've never, down the path. I've never, only, the only reason I did bring it up a little bit, well, you brought up, but you also, you've been talking about it on stage. Yeah. That's the yeah. only reason I was like, oh, maybe he, he's willing to talk about it. There's this. material about it, but I, I don't want to yeah, do yeah. the bits at you. You don't want to start doing, you don't want to do bits while you're driving with no audience? Yeah. <laughs> What's your problem? I don't know. I'm trying to sell tickets. I'm selling you So you... One um, of my first ever road gigs on a triple run yeah. was with a, a, a Seattle comic who had been around forever, and uh, we, were, we were driving out to the... It was the Tri-Cities, you know, famously in Washington, and uh, she was very funny in conversation, and I thought, oh, man, this chick's really, uh, pow, pow, she's yeah. on it, and then I saw her show, and I'm like, it was our entire conversation we had had was her act. Oh, she was doing she her was act? She was doing her act. Muscling her act? Oh, in the that's car. bad. Not even just trying the jokes out, but like, that's just, she just yeah, talks her act. That's man. crazy. That's like those people who comics who get interviewed on the radio and are just able maybe I'm jealous of them to just start doing their act but that's, with but that's one a, dude yeah. sitting across I mean that's what I was taught you, when you're doing radio you do bits uh, because God, if the, if the so audience much. isn't finding you funny why are they going to come see your show I know but I, I, but you're a guy who leverages but, his personality as but also you, you know, know those I am curmudgeonly come see my some show some of these some of these radio guys say yeah how are we going to sell tickets to show let's do bits it's like well those guys who go on Opie and Anthony play huge theaters 
Yeah. And they're not doing their acts on that. They're just talking. No, but the reason they got an Opie Anthony is because they already have an established presence and the people who are going to see them already know who they are. Well, I don't know about all of them, but... No, not all of them, but yeah. I mean, to, to a degree... Yeah, I, mean, I guess it's good. You know, I just like what you're saying. Yeah, like, the kind of radio that, like, when Augie and I go out, and there's always radio attached. Um, we, I mean, and that's, that's the thing Augie preaches to the up-and-coming comics is, and that he learned early is you have to be good on radio to elevate to the next level as a road comic. And that's what got him where he is because he, uh, he, once he, by the time he got his first shot on Bob and Tom, he was a pro at sitting down, Those shutting guys do the right morning DJ up yeah. and, and firing his bits out. And so when he, the first... Oh, I just feel so dirty when I do it. <laughs> I feel like I'm just I'm doing something. Yeah. I well, hate like doing Bob anything I don't want to... They're good about it. it. Yes. They're really... Well, they're also good. Yeah. Because Bob and Tom's this huge radio show that a lot of comics do. Yeah. But they're also... They work it into a conversation. They're not like... Mm-hmm. They ask for, you, for it, the setups. It sort of comes organically, and then they stray, and you have a real conversation. Yeah. And they laugh, and they're nice. Yeah, and then they let you come back around to it. Yeah. Yeah, that Bob and Tom show has changed the lives of... But that, you know, that show didn't affect my career the way everyone said it would. No. And they said, oh, you're going to your emails, your booking, your website's going to light up. It's going to blow up, my friend. I think maybe you have to do it a few times or not be me, maybe. Uh, you have to do it consistently. No, yeah. no one has really got well, it. I would do that again. Because I, I did it once. I was on for like half an hour, but so was Augie and Herbiglia. So I was... Uh, oh, they were on the same? Pre- yeah, so I was, I was kind of... Marginalized, but it was good practice. It was good to get in there. I'm hoping to get out. So now that the divorce is over, you're getting back on stage more. Yes, yeah. And emotionally, it was such a crushing blow that like I couldn't even, I couldn't leave my house long enough to right. do much. Although actually, the night of the information being handed down, that I was uh, that it was officially over because uh-huh. it was like a two or three week process of like, is this am I? Did I lose my wife? Oh, were you getting big signals or kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, and she was where she was out of town and stayed out of town this whole that whole time. Um, so the, the day that I actually found out my marriage was over, I did nine minutes about it on stage that night at a Barney's party oh. in Pasadena. So Augie and I had been talking it out and kind of working through some ideas, and I really wanted to get out there. And luckily, uh, there was a visiting comic from Seattle, Brett Hamill, who was. With, it was there and he'd record on his iPhone and oh really so I have that set recorded it was it was kind of my little nobody version of uh, Tignataro's <laughs> um, breakthrough know, yeah breakthrough thing it was my own personal breakthrough wow. set wow you should release that unless you don't want to uh, I don't think I could necessarily I don't it's, it's not nearly as interesting I think if you don't know us we just passed That's a place called wrong. Pacific Pride. It was a gas station. Yeah. And it had a rainbow motif. Like, is that a gay, is that a gay gas station? You know, station? I never put the Pride and the rainbow together. But, uh... Is that a, a gay gas station? I've never really noticed what the truckers are doing when they park there. That's, that was interesting. Yeah. We'll have to Google that later. That's a good point. Um, so you did those diamonds. Are you? Is that some of the stuff I saw last night? Yeah, that was the, uh, the nascent... Yeah, it's pretty. I, like I never do stuff like that. It was, it was pretty great to do. It was very slow. Um, it was a small little crowd, but even the people who were there, like I was like, so this morning, and they're like, wait, really? 
Yeah, that's the hard thing it would be like. Because credibility-wise, because every lot of comics go, did I drove over here today? But I guess they probably could feel that it was real. Yeah, but I did keep reiterating that this did indeed happen earlier today. Yeah. So it was a cathartic start, but I'm very, I'm a really emotional, like, person. And, you know, diagnosed with depression. Oh, really? I've been for a little bit. Oh, I So, you know, I haven't seen that side of you. Well, I'm not too mopey. Not too mopey. Yeah, you're pretty upbeat. But I had actually started seeing a therapist about two months a psychiatrist and a talk therapist a couple of months before the divorce happened. So I'm lucky that I actually had a support Yeah, you already had someone ready to place. go. Yeah. Yeah. Did, um... Oh, you, see a, you saw a psychiatrist and a separate talk therapist? Yeah. Because yeah. psychiatrists are just, you know, giving you drugs. But they're, they're usually ones that do... They talk also. Not really. I mean, they no, just... Not the they want to get the baseline... You know, figure out if you have a personality disorder really? that they have to work you around. Real, you went to a real Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> went to the drug man. Um, and it was West Hollywood, so this this guy is like the best-looking doctor I've yeah. ever had. I mean, it looked like a, just a more slight George Clooney. <laughs> and I was like, this, this town. And the last physical, like, general practitioner doctor I'd seen in Hollywood was this hot, gorgeous, blonde... I laughed when she walked in the room. <laughs> um, Hollywood. That's funny. Yeah. Did she have a... Was she, did you ever headshots with her? <laughs> she have a script? Yeah, I really want to get a tactic. Yeah. I went to Harvard Medical School, but I... What I really want to do is direct. I'm here for pilot season. <laughs> it was one of those Zoom care type of urgent care things. Portland had the best... One of the best urgent care centers... I've ever been to called Zoom Care. Mm-hmm. This is not like a muscling in a commercial for them, but it was like I went there a few years ago because I had this something on my arm and I was like, I don't know what this is, and it turned out to be an insect bite. And then when you uh, go to get that, then you're like, I just went to the doctor for an insect bite. You feel like an idiot, but it just looked weird. Yeah, and I was like, Oh, Zoom Care's right there. Yeah. But and you get your free trade shade grown antibiotics. Yeah, no, that was a good place. Now, you did some material last night. I hope we can talk about this. Sure. And we ended up, I think, texting where you said, I think you said, are you, do you have any feedback? Are you texting me something? Yeah. Because Yeah, we thought, I, I said we can uh, we can tear apart my set. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I said I, I actually did have some thoughts. Yeah. And I do because it was a joke you did that you said uh, that you can't, you sort of implied no one's been laughing at this joke. And I think I know why. Ah, good. Now, it's the joke about a placebo. Oh, in the very end, the part about, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the double-blind study. Yeah, double-blind study. Yeah. See, this is already brainy stuff, so you're going to wipe out half the uh, audience. <laughs> but you know what? What I prefer to do on the brainier stuff is to, to get my brainy version, like, for my perfect prime demographic audience, let's yeah. say, laughs in Kirkland. Which I found you did not have to dumb anything down for. Uh-huh. Um, and then from there, start injecting the more cartoonish aspects around it to be able to make it palatable to the middle America. I think that the, the joke, it was something along the lines of, there's double blind tests and one of the blind people is your pharmacist. Uh, right, one of the people, 
in a double blind test, the person yeah. getting the placebo can't know, and the person yeah. giving the placebo doesn't know because sometimes that person's your pharmacist. Yeah, I think people don't know that that's actually true. Ah, uh, it's straining credibility. Well, it sounds yeah. like because even I, for a second, was like, I think I know that they sometimes do that, but it came across maybe as a joke where like maybe you would have to just go. Pharmacists sometimes are actually. Yeah, I may okay. I may have assumed that this yeah. is uh, easy, I easier to assume swallow. Everyone concept. don't assume people are as smart as me. Because <laughs> none of them are. Yeah, as smart as I. As I. Oh man. As I, I think. It's, I don't think it's I. As smart as I am. I know. As smart as myself. Right. So there, I fixed that joke. <laughs> I thought this was going to be a bit oh, deeper, uh, more into it. But yeah. you see what I'm saying? I, I don't think it was explained enough. Yeah. But that would, I do like the the joke, the uh, placebo, the first part, which I've heard you do a number of times. That's uh, the date date rape placebo. Yes. And it used to I used to have the word date rape in there. Not as well known. And then like yeah, I'm like oh yeah, there's a, the, all the stuff started coming up about people being sensitive to rape material. And then I'm yeah. like yeah, why would I want to bring up the worst thing that's ever happened to a person? Yeah. You and know, it's not a rape joke. It's yeah, a, it's not. So it's I'm like, a placebo joke. So I'm pretty proud of having a rape joke that doesn't have the word rape in it. Wow. All it takes is what you're one blog post away from having no career anymore. Oh, man. Or being, or the, finally or no. being a, a bad boy. Yeah. yeah. Do you um, do you have a lot of... Do you just still do a lot of road work? Uh, a lot of raping? Road work. Road work. <laughs> a lot of... Um, I toned it down once I got to L.A. because I didn't want to not be in L.A. Uh, and the the idea was when we first moved there, my wife was working, and I would be able to stay in L.A. and you know get to be as much a part of the scene as possible. Um, so I didn't want to leave that much, and I still you know I have that glass ceiling of not being able to headline very many clubs because I don't have a TV credit yet. Yeah. And there's so many different ways to get a TV credit now that guys that are no better than I am are headlining and I can't bust through at you those think it's clubs just, because of the TV credit. Yeah. It's a, it's a glass ceiling they have to be able to stamp. And then you'll get a TV out. credit and then you'll go, oh, everyone has this TV credit. Yeah, well, that's the point where it's getting to now. It's like, well, it's a lot of people. I mean, it's still nice to have the TV credit. Yeah. It still would make a big difference for me, and, and it would make going on the road a uh, more financially viable process at this point. Where could you... There must be clubs that... Uh, but there are... Well, right now, I'm kind of at this point where I've, after 12 years, the clubs I do get to work are sometimes... I like to work the better ones, like the Heliums. You should do John Oliver's show. <laughs> He's a smart guy. Yeah. You do smart comedy. I would love to. But I, 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 when you say that, I feel almost that same way as like when, you're, when your auntie says, oh, you should be on The Tonight Show. Have, yeah, but you're, yeah, have you thought different. about calling them? It's different <laughs> yeah, because you them. are in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where show business happens. Yeah. I, I feel like I have a set at this point. I'm one of these guys who... I'm not a natural born salesman. Yeah. I'm more of a customer service guy than a salesman. So I've never been good at uh, advertising my products. Yeah, but it, you don't have to be a, a, uh, a, a slime ball opportunist. You can just yeah. 
find a way to get a nice clip up there that's like bulletproof. Yeah. Where you're like, this is eight minutes long. Yeah. I'm killing. You can't deny that this is a good <laughs> clip. Yeah. You could not like it, but you can't deny that I'm doing a good yeah. job. Yeah. And I, I feel like I have a, a clip up right now that is pretty damn close to that. But that was pre-divorce material, and I'm really excited about not just the divorce material itself, but well, you can kind of the sense of personal yeah. gravitas from that is infecting the rest of Now, I used the word gravitas last night on stage, <laughs> yeah. and you shut down the room. No. <laughs> but I was like, wow, I, I don't even know that I would use gravitas on <laughs> My act is really intellectual. But it's, it's one of my favorite words. I had this hilarious Russian language teacher in college, and uh, he was it was kind of like having Conan O'Brien as a teacher. It was just he had just this hilarious guy. And one day he was writing something on the board that related to Russia, something really deep in Russian literature. Uh, and he stops for a second to consider it, and he just turns toward the class and just goes, "Gravitas." And I just fell out of my seat laughing, just the way he said it. What was he referring was, to, though? Uh, I think it was something about crime and punishment or, you know, some Dostoevsky thing that he was using as an example for us to translate. Uh, I took a Russian literature course at University of Florida where it was known to be one of those cakewalk classes. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like one to be like, you go there like eight <laughs> football players. <laughs> like, oh, you guys wow. are all into Russian lit? Uh. And the guy was like, he was, was a nice teacher, but he was just like, you could go up to him and go... Yeah, you alright with that grade? And he'd be like, Are you alright with that grade? And he said, Like, you could almost go, I'd rather have an A. Alright, I'll give you an A. Did you guys have a written final or an oral exam in the Russian tradition? Because that's what we did. Uh, no, it was written. I remember it, I did a, a report on called Pushkin, Poet in Exile. Ah, and nice. I got a good grade on it. Nice. It was like, I think you handwritten, like, this back of the day. Yeah. But yeah, it was funny that that was one of those, uh, I forgot what they call those joke platforms. Um, where the teacher's ease. He even yeah. came, even the first day, because I know you heard of the world's easiest teacher, and like he heard it, the reputation got back to him. Wow. He was just very laid back. Nice. Um, so, where'd you go to college? University of Oregon. In Eugene. See, I've only done one show in Eugene. That blows my mind. <laughs> that I've only done one show in Eugene? Yeah. I did that's, Wow that's Hall, a, which is where I guess everyone. Yeah, that's And I remember it was one of those shows where... That was a comedian's a comedy venue. Only like 50 people showed up, but then I sold CDs after, and like the entire audience surrounded me. <laughs> it was like, wow, this is a high hit rate. Yeah. But I, I also didn't get a sense of that city because they put me up. That place seemed to be in a remote location. And then I stayed in a one of the scarier motels I've ever stayed in. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was perfectly clean and probably safe, but... I was like one of those, this is a real motel. Yeah, it's a college and a hippie town. But I didn't see like the hippie area. And it was, is it a good school? It's a great school. It's yeah. a fun city to live in. The city is fantastic. Because um, there's that hippie vibe and like real throwback Ken Kesey. Oh, wow. Like legitimate hippie vibe. Some serious uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. That was my wedding of letting you know who I know that I know who Ken Kesey is. <laughs> and this is we're in a car. I'm not googling this, although yeah. you could conceivably Google that. That's car. true. Um, 
So you studied psychology? Yeah, I studied psychology, a little minor in business. And I was I was thinking of switching to sports marketing at one point because Nike was invented there, and Phil Knight just throws millions of dollars at U of O every year. It's pretty funny, the, the combination of like Portland liberal hipster and working for Nike. I notice that a lot. Yeah. You're like, well, I guess this seems like something you might not have that you might have a problem with. <laughs> well, it's funny because you check, when I was at U of O, it was right when the whole um, sweatshop labor thing yeah. was really coming to a head that people, there was an awareness of it and an activism level, especially at the college level. And when you're at that particular college, it's really an issue of conflict. And Phil Knight actually threw up his hands and said, hey, fuck you guys stopped giving the college money for like two solid years. Oh, because people were protesting? Tell people backed off. And he, they were, you know, to Nike's credit, they were doing a lot of work to make changes in their production process. Uh-huh. And I don't think a lot of the college kids protesting really... They didn't explore it that deep. ...really knew Kinda how like the way I difficult so. it is to change the culture at a hundred different Chinese factories. Sounds like you're a company man. <laughs> Sounds like you're still working. You for know that. what? At the time, I was more on the activist side. I've learned more about the process since having friends. You're gonna be one of those guys who like used to be a liberal now. Yeah, exactly. Extreme, now right? that I got something to lose, conservative. Do you? Um, did you want to be a? See, did you want to be a therapist? Did I ask you that? Um, no, you didn't. But uh, there were times when I did want to be a therapist. But my own depression was a little too much of an issue. I was like, look, I gotta get over my own shit before I can listen to anybody else's shit. And I don't listen to people's stories about how horrible their lives were. Because I had a pretty charmed upbringing. Yeah. So, I mean, I couldn't relate to people who had abusive families or, you know, grew up destitute or drug addicted or any of that stuff. So why did you uh, major? Why did you major in psychology? I just, like, I, li- I just like psychology in general. I've always been interested in why people think what they think, how they come to certain conclusions or, you know, the different types of natural things that are, you know, when you meet naturally cheery people, you're like, is this some kind of psychosis or a slight change in brain chemistry? Or the whole cognitive thing is pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm, I'm fascinated by that stuff. Um, and I still read, you know, like Malcolm Gladwell books about that stuff today, or sociology and pop psychology. I get sucked into that stuff pretty easily. Really? Read books? I read books, man. Where do you, where are you working on the road after, uh, after these days? Uh, I don't have any road dates booked right now. Um, because I'm really just scraping for dollars around L.A. Um, so my next couple of months are pretty unpredictable. There's no money to make in L.A., really. No, I mean, like, little side jobs through friends. Oh, like job jobs? Yeah, job jobs. Would you want a writing job? I'd love a writing job, yeah. I'm, uh, one of the most fun things I've done in the last few months was my manager handed me one of his other clients' spec sitcom scripts. He said, here, this is a good story, but it's not funny at all. If you want to add jokes. And so I, it was 52 pages. And I Did just, they pay you? No. Uh, yeah, then, no, I don't want to <laughs> add jokes. No, I don't want to add jokes. Well, it was kind of a... It, the, I'm fairly new to this management company, and they're kind of seeing what it is, what writing stuff is what my skill set is so uh, I was really jazzed to be able to do that and I'm also exploring myself it was the first time I've done that I've been waiting 10 years for someone to hand me their sitcom script did you say your bad jokes you thank you manager for getting me the unpaid gig (laughs) but no one was getting any money on the other end either 
He said if they sell it, then I'll get it. Oh, it's not sold. No, 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 it's not sold. He said if they sell it, then Well, how about a writing credit? I'll get get a writing credit if they sell it. Do you trust him? I do. Yeah, I trust him. He's he's a uh, a beloved character around town. He's a what, loving? A beloved character. A beloved. Beloved. Oh, beloved. Yes. Oh. I'll ask you his name after. (laughs) After we roll. After we're done rolling. Yeah, rolling. So that was fun. I'd love that kind of... I work well in a writer's room. Uh-huh. Like when I have people to bounce creative energy off of, the blank page scares the shit out of me if it's right. just me staring at that. But uh, You like bouncing stuff off. Yeah, I like the group Seems process. like there's a million kind of writing jobs and some of them are short term that you can get. That's what it seems like, but... You gotta get I'm, a packet. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely uh, putting together my packet. And I, you know, I know some astoundingly creative guys like Dan Telfer moved to LA uh-huh. and uh, seeing how long it took even him with his onion credits and you know his, you know second funniest tweets behind you uh, really you think so <laughs> I don't know if I follow him maybe oh I you gotta follow I do Dan know him. Telfer I do know him yeah I like the guy so smart so funny just can't follow everyone you can't but there are some people worth following uh, you don't tweet a lot you don't tweet a whole lot, dude. Uh, not a ton, but I try to I try to make them good when I do. Sometimes I have really good tweets and I'll forget about them and I'll have to go thumb through them. You, you gotta know, get them out later. there, man. Yeah, it's really. Yeah, you gotta become one of the. You gotta take it to the next level. Make it up on the reg. Do you um? See, writing pack. Here's what. Okay, so what you need to do. <laughs> Imagine if I really talk to you that way. Here's what you're gonna do. Yeah. I would love it if you. No, you gotta make that tape. Yeah. I've got to. Uh... It's so, especially with YouTube, man. It's so easy to just send someone a link. Yeah. That they're not gonna look at. Exactly. That's really revolutionized getting books. Being able to just send a YouTube link yeah. and stuff. Actually, uh, you'll get some footage. Uh... You will get footage out of this thing, out of this project we're doing. Yeah, the Lance, road documentary. Lance, Lance, Lance said he'd get me the footage. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he had one camera running like the other night. That was a good solid set, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're in. <laughs> You're in. Solid. Uh, have you ever opened for anyone like huge, like in a theater? Uh, yeah, I've had a couple of good experiences. Actually, way before I even kind of deserved it, I was about four years into comedy. Um, David Tell, Lewis Black, and Mitch Hedberg were on a Comedy Central yeah. tour. Yeah. And they played the Crystal Ballroom. Oh, wow. And uh, they called Dwight Slade to MC it, but he, uh, he ended up getting this really important road gig he had to go do that was also like a Comedy Central half hour, uh-huh. you know, submission thing. So uh, last minute, they were like, oh, well, who else might want to do it? And we had just worked together, so he, he uh, recommended you. Recommended before. That's nice. Did two shows sold out, sixteen hundred people each show in that venue. It was just it was pure rock and roll insanity. And uh, yeah, that was the biggest. I remember that tour. Day. I was like, I was that was a tour I was really envious of. Ah, I was yeah. like, man, I would have loved. I would love to be on that tour. Yeah, that was pretty fantastic. Those guys are all funny and cool guys. Yeah. Mitch was doing the oak. You know, he was doing like twenty twenty five, and then. Dave and Lewis were, uh, they were co-headlining, they'd switch night after night. Oh, really? Yeah. But I tell you, even at, at that time, half the audience was there to see Mitch. Really? Yeah. Yeah, his Portland following was pretty incredible. 
That's my poor other color. Seems pretty good. It's yeah, pretty sold out last night. Back down, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty packed out. Yeah. God, it was packed out like 10,000 people there. Well, let's think of a couple more topics and then we'll bring it home. Can I tell you a fun story? That oh, I love stories. Last night. Okay, last night. Um, I was on my way to meet a friend uh, at where I used to run my old open mic there at Suki's Bar and Grill. And there's a travel lodge, kind of a crummy hotel above it. And you never know what's going to happen there because there's a VA and a huge children's hospital oh, just up the hill. So yeah. the people that stay at this crummy hotel are usually waiting for someone to die. Right. So it's always filled with characters. In this case... <laughs> characters. <laughs> you mean unhappy people? Unhappy people. Who would come down and watch my open mic while waiting for their food, their oh, to-go Oh, it's order. attached to the... Uh... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's upstairs and the bar is downstairs. So. But last night, I stopped at the intersection right next to it. And you can see the hotel windows. And in a bright window, there were two nubile young blonde girls, like, dancing around to the radio uh-huh. in, uh, in one of these rooms. The radio? Yeah. It looked in like their they, hotel room? Yeah. Motel room? It looked like in their motel room. And the shades were kind of open. And then one girl turned towards the window, opened the shades the whole way, lifts her shirt completely, and smashes her breasts up against the window. For you? For the world, which was mostly me. It's not like we even yeah. made eye contact. And this is in like, like a low, like a one-floory, one-floor, one-story, uh, one-story hotel? Uh, one. It's two stories. Yeah, so I mean, she's about 30 feet up. But she just full-on just lifted and smashed her breast against wow. the window, and it was fully lit. And I was like, what is happening? I've waited my entire life. I've looked in every hotel window I've ever driven by. I know, because there's that hotel booze. in New York where people have sex. But that's, you know, they're 15 stories up. That. Wow. So that was, uh, it made my night. Did you knock on her window and go, hey, I'm doing a set if you want to come by? Why don't you uh, come say hey? Yes, that, yeah, at that point I was like, ah, I think I got the, what I'm going to get out of that I'm going to say so, uh, alcohol was involved. Call, call that a win. And move on. From that decision for her to flash you. Yeah. It's, I know. She's like, I don't think there's any more girls going wild videos. Yep. Trying to get work. Maybe someone will start it up again. So it was a good day. Did you do a... So you, how was the set at the... Uh, at the Ed Foreman at show? At Suki's. Oh, I didn't do a set at Suki's. I oh, was okay. just meeting a friend there for a while. Is so. there anything you would like to plug? Um, well, like... Uh, no, absolutely no, not. This guy's got no. Yeah. Jordan. I really do have before. nothing going on. You have, you have your Twitter account. Yeah, I got my Twitter and I got my. Because I do have thousands of people listen to this. Yeah, please do. Please is there, do. Uh, is there any other great? Is there any other stories that we need to talk about? Uh, I like to. I have the most awkward final segments in any podcast. I'm sure, especially we're in a noisy car and I know, it's noisy pouring car. rain now. I wonder if this is going to sound good at all. But uh, it might not, buddy. You know what? You might just have to tweet this entire interview in portions. I'm kind of thinking I have to pee soon, but it's rainy. But that's why you have to pee, or these people. About it? Yeah. I need to hear rain in order to pee. I get pee shot. I need to hear construction jackhammers to fuck. I have a lot of peculiarities. So it's at Dax Jordan. At Dax Jordan. For yeah. Twitter. Is there a website? DaxJordan.com has a bunch of clips. Really? And, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll look at those You clips. can see my comedy robot character. It's a lot of fun. Oh, so you might already have a clip that's worthy. 
All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm in a hotel room in Mississippi. Maybe it's a motel room. I don't know. It's a hotel room. I have upcoming tour dates. If you're listening to this today, I'll be in New Orleans at the Hell Yes Festival. Thursday, I'll be in Pensacola. Oh, that's the air conditioning for my hotel, but I'm not going to shut it off. Uh, I'll be in Pensacola, Florida. Can you hear me through the air conditioning? At the... uh, what is it? Oh, Vinyl Music Hall. Saturday, I'll be at the Cleveland Comedy Festival. And I have other tour dates if you go to toddberry.com. And go to feralaudio.com because they uh, put this presentation on. I hope the air conditioning isn't distracting you because I'm not going to re-record this. Okay, bye. You, with the rhinestone dog collar. Between us dogs, I just convinced my human to upgrade to a new home with the 1,200-square-foot bathroom. I think she called it a yard. With Wells Fargo's 3% down payment on a fixed-rate loan, my human realized a new home was within reach. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash woof. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Down payments as low as 3% on a fixed-rate loan require mortgage insurance. Ask a home mortgage consultant about loan requirements. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank N.A. Equal housing lender. NMLSR ID 399801.